Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Wednesday. We're halfway through the week. Two more days to go before we get to the weekend. And so we're going to get and keep on going with Wednesday right now. I have a lot to get into that I want to talk to you guys about. There's a lot to go over. I'm going to talk about a Green and Hornet film in the works. Some news about Top Gun Maverick. Some new posters from Fast 9 after the clip that debuted yesterday. few teaser trailers some birds of prey material and a whole lot more along with the weekend preview but the first thing i want to talk about is something that just broke and it's something that isn't a surprise but it's more details regarding wes anderson's brand new movie and once in a while we always get directors that wes anderson is more on the he's an a-lister but at the same time he's not as big as someone like a quentin tarantino or christopher nolan in terms of box office but He is somebody who, when you think about movies and somebody who just has a special way of creating movies and has a different style, you think of somebody like a Wes Anderson. So whenever an Anderson movie comes out, people are are always excited about it, always interested to see what he does in this kind of movie, what he's trying to say. And that's why there's hype around his brand new movie that's coming out. And we got the first little bit of the title, I guess, as today it was announced that there's a longer title to it. So the first half of the the title is called The French Dispatch, which is what we knew about beforehand. But the full title is called The French Dispatch of the Liberty, Kansas Evening Sun. And according to reports and synopsis of the movie, it's it's about this secluded newspaper and it's going to be about journalism. And so it will definitely speak to the times that we're living in today, especially when we talk about the political spectrum, but also news networks and how people perceive news and reporters and journalism nowadays. So I'm sure Wes Anderson will be getting into that and, and touching on those subjects. And what always comes with a Wes Anderson film is, along with his incredible writing and his incredible style, is his cast. He always has a phenomenal cast involved with him. And like Nolan and Tarantino and a few others, he always has his staple guys, such as Bill Murray, Owen Wilson are usually some of those guys as well. And so he has those guys back once again. Bill Murray will be in this film, but there's a bigger cast involved with this. And so I'm going to run down all the names that are associated with this film. With this film, It's starring Benicio Del Toro, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Leah Sadu, Francis McDermott, Timothy Chalamet, Jeffrey Wright, along with Bill Murray and Owen Wilson, who is also a mainstay for Wes Anderson as well. And again, just, just an incredible cast. This is something that I wouldn't be surprised if we hear debuting at the Cannes Film Festival or something along the lines of maybe a, a well, really a Cannes Film Festival. I was thinking of Toronto or Telluride, but another piece of information that came out was that the film will be debuting on July 24th of 2020 this year. So definitely it'll be, it's coming out during the summer movie season, and I do think that this is a movie that will be premiering at Cannes. It's it's going to be produced by Searchlight Pictures, so it's going to be under the brand name of Disney once again. So Disney has their kind of director that Sony now has with Quentin Tarantino, and I'm sure Disney positioned this Fox or Searchlight Pictures, as as it's called nowadays, positioned this is to be that kind of film. That I again, I would not be surprised if we heard sometime in the next few weeks in the next few months that. The French Dispatch is going to premiering at the Cannes Film Festival. Whether it is probably going to be for a competition and it'll have it'll have a, a big release date 
like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had last year as well. So I think that is what Searchlight Pictures and Disney have in store for this film, which I'm excited about. I really love the the Grand Budapest Hotel. I think that's one of my favorites of his, along with the fantastic Mr. Fox and Moonrise, excuse me, Moonrise Kingdom just to name a few of his over the last few years. So I'm excited to see what Wes Anderson does next, and I'm sure a lot of people will be as well. The French Dispatch of the Liberty, Kansas Evening Sun comes out on July 24, 2020. What do you guys think of this news? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to some other news regarding the Green Hornet, and it was announced that the co owners of Amesia Productions, Michael Hafflin and Bradley Gallow, announced a deal in which they now have the film rights to The Green Hornet, which is based off of a, a, a radio show that was from early, early on in, in, in the 1900s that became a syndicated television show. It was based off comics, and it stars a kind of like a, a another kind of, of Batman type of movie or Batman persona, really, where it's about crime fighters, and there's The Green Hornet and Kato, and I'm not... I don't know a lot about the Green Hornet, but I remember watching the 60s television show, which they also crossed over with the Adam Resper Ward Batman show in, in the 66 as well. So I remember that, and of course I remember the, the Seth Rogen movie that came out in 2011 that went on to gross around $227 million worldwide. It also starred Cameron Diaz, Christoph Waltz. So there's a lot of people that were involved with that, but to me... There were some moments of the Green Hornet that came out of uh, in, in the earlier part of the 2010s that I enjoyed, but to me, just it, it was more. It was too much of a Seth Rogen movie. I could definitely he had his hands all over it, and it had that comedy element of Seth Rogen. I just I didn't need that. I felt like with the Green Hornet movie, and so I'm hoping that the people over at Amnesia, who Michael Heflin and Bradley Gallo have said that they wanted to do something with the Green Hornet for a while, it's just. It hasn't been able to line up with them until now. And so the fact that they're able to get it, I think they'll stay true to the radio show, the television show, and what people, are fans of the Green Hornet, are looking for in this film. So I'm excited about it. There's no other news regarding this film. There's no release date, no casting announcements. Just the fact that the Green Hornet has moved over to Amnesia Productions and that they will be getting the ball rolling, ball rolling on a new Green Hornet film. What do you guys think of this news about a new Green Hornet movie coming? Are you excited to see a new Green Hornet movie? Do you want to see a Green Hornet movie? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to some news from Entertainment Weekly regarding Top Gun Maverick. Now Top Gun Maverick is without a doubt going to be one of the most anticipated films for some people this entire year. Definitely for this summer. It's one of the big blockbuster films to come out during the summer of 2020. And it's being directed by Joseph Kaczynski, and it's returning once again with Tom Cruise, Val Kilmer, along with newcomers such as Jennifer Connelly, Miles Teller, and a few more as well, John Hamm, Ed Harris. And this is a movie that has been in production again for a long, long time, has been in development for a long time. They, it was supposed to return with Tony Scott, who did the first one, but unfortunately Tony Scott passed away early, early on in the 2010s, around 2012, and... They didn't know if this movie would actually keep on getting made, but Tom Cruise, being the man that he is, wanting to do this movie, he was able to keep it on track. They were able to get Joseph Kaczynski, who does Tron Leg, he who did Tron Legacy, and a few other movies as well, and they were able to make this movie and have it look like it's going to come out on June 25th of 2020. And so Entertainment Weekly was able to get some more information about it, and Joseph Kaczynski talked about how 
about the, the the stunts for this movie. And if you know Tom Cruise, you know that he is a Tasmanian daredevil. I mean, you look at what he did with the Mission Impossible franchise over even the last few movies of that of those franchises. You look at what he did with Oblivion and, and Edge of Tomorrow. He, he's always a daredevil. He's always trying to do his own stunts, and he's always wants people to feel like he's a part of the of the drama. He's a part of of the action, and it's him. It's not a stunt double. And so when you look at Tom Cruise Maverick or Tom, Top Gun Maverick, when he saw the teaser trailer that debuted at Comic-Con, it was that shot of him in the cockpit, and you see it of taking off, and you see it really from, you see his eyes and him flying it. That's cinematography that I've never really seen before or really camera work in within aviation like that. And according to Joseph Kaczynski, when, and it wasn't just Tom Cruise, it was a lot of these other pilots did it as well. A lot of these other actors did it when they had to do simulations as well within the Flight Academy in Top Gun Maverick. And Kaczynski talked about how in those cockpits, they would just have a camera. There'd be no cinematographer, no nothing. It would just be the the actor along with the pilot. And to make it look like the the actor was piloting the vehicle, they would sit up front. But behind them, apparently, according to what Kaczynski says, there was a pilot that was maneuvering everything and making sure everything was flying as to make it seem like it, the, the, they were actually doing the, all the moves the aircraft was doing. So I thought that was really, really cool. And I pulled a little bit of an excerpt from what Kaczynski said, so I want to read it real quick. And he says, The maneuvers that we were putting them through to tell this story were not something that you can just jump in and do. They had, they had to go through months of aerial training. We put them through a training course that Tom actually designed himself. He's licensed an acrobatic pilot, and he was thrown into deep end when he did the first Top Gun without any training. So we knew that they would need to kind of work up to that level. So they started in Kessinasis and worked their way up to aerobatic airplanes, and then to small single-engine jets before they were in the Super Hornet. Occasionally, it made some of the actors sick, and that even happens to expected fighter pilots. So, again, Tom Cruise being the, the producer that he is, the executive, the the creative guy, the, the Tasmanian daredevil, he wanted to put the actors through something like this to get that same reaction that he was getting himself. And Kaczynski talks about how Tom Cruise put himself and he had to put him in, in flow light, low, low flight simulations that they had to get approved by the Navy. And the article also talks about how in the movie itself, the plot revolves around not just new recruits in the Top Gun class, but Maverick having to teach people that already went through the the class but want to get more experience out of it as well so he's training old blood and young blood at the same time and they also said how miles teller who was playing lieutenant bradley rooster bradshaw who was the who is the son of the late goose if you've seen top top gun you know who i'm talking about and the movie is that's the core relationship as it it it, it carries on that 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 um when you have that pseudo father figure with the with the son and really how Tom Cruise has to adapt to that. So I do think there are some similarities to the first Top Gun, but I think there's new things that are going to be explored here, new techniques within the camera work and the actual filmmaking that are going to be shown that I think is going to make this a high-flying, no, no pun intended, experience that I think people are going to enjoy on the big screen and really take out a great theatrical summer film that Tom Cruise knows how to put out there and that it's not just with Mission Impossible – He's done it with Edge of Tomorrow and a few others as well that he can make people have an original fun experience even though this is with a sequel from a beloved 80s film that really 
shot Tom Cruise into the superstar stratosphere and really helped establish him. Even though people know him more for Top Gun now, or not, excuse me, not Top Gun, the Mission Impossible franchise, he he really was known for playing Maverick at a time as well. And I think that's what people will remember him for, for along with being Ethan Hunt as well. So I'm excited to see Top Gun Maverick and all these details get me excited to see the movie on June 25th of 2020. What do you guys think of Top Gun Maverick and all these new details coming out? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to another topic that has to do with Top Gun Maverick as well. And that is moving on to the big game. And the big game is a.k.a. the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 54 is this Sunday. Kickoff time is at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. And it's the biggest, really it is the biggest event of the year, at least here in the United States of America, because it's not just a football game between two teams, this year being the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. There's so many things that people that are fans of entertainment, pop culture, that are fans of ads and, and, and movies, and there's things for everybody here. And one of the things is you have the halftime show, of course, that's being played by Jennifer Lopez and Shakira this year. You have Demi Lovato doing the national anthem. But then again, you, again, you have the Super Bowl commercials, which a lot of people look forward to as well. And every single year, there's people, a lot of companies always, or studios and, and, and production companies and, and communication to people, they all, they all want a piece of the pie within the Super Bowl because everyone's watching the Super Bowl no matter what. It's this big party, and they want to get their product out there. And every single year, there's always an allotment for 30 seconds or so. And 30 seconds for a, a Super Bowl is millions and millions of dollars. That is how valuable the, that, that slot is and, and how valuable that entire runtime of the Super Bowl is. And so every single year, the price has gone up for for a 30-second slot. So say if a commercial wants that 30-second window, this year it's gone up. Last year, last year's Super Bowl, it the cost of 30 seconds of, of, of airtime for a commercial was $5.2 million. This year it's gone up a, a few hundred thousand dollars. Now it's a $5.6 million instead of 5.2. And that, that's a huge bump increase for 30 seconds. And if you wanted to have double the amount of time, say if you wanted a, a one-minute commercial, you would need to double it. You need to times that by two. So you're spending almost $10 million if you wanted a full minute in, in a slot. So a lot of commercials over the years have kind of begun to pull back. And when I mean pull back, I mean that a lot of people have been putting stuff online. And one of the big the big notorieties of of studio of, of, of benefactors pulling back have been studios, movie studios. Because every single year when you want to put out advertisement for a movie, what better time to put out an advertisement than when millions and millions of people, hundreds of thousands, hundreds of millions of people are watching this game and you can get your movie out there for people to watch and to say, oh, wow, I didn't know this is coming out or this is coming out. Usually when people who aren't like me or people who that cover this industry that have seen all the trailers, that have seen all the TV spots, a lot of people have lives and they're not able to look at that kind of news all the time. So the Super Bowl is really the first time to get in first impression on a movie. So say if this year you have Top Gun Maverick or you have Black Widow, you have A Quiet Place Part 2 that is coming out after May. You want to get people 
out there. You want to get people to see the, uh, an impression of this movie, and 30 seconds is able to do that. And when I watched the Super Bowl years and years ago, that's exactly what happened. There would always be a 30-second window, and, and you would you would ex- you would hear about all these movies that would that would come out with ads, and so you'd be excited about it. But over the years, because of of the price, the the jumped price of all of, of of time and the money for the slot for studios, it's just become impossible to do this. And and there's a plethora of reasons for this. The, the one of the big reasons for that is when you look at the when you look at a marketing material for a studio, you look at there's so many things that go into it. You you also have to take into account when you look at the entire budget of a film, you look at what's already being allotted for. So say last year, Avengers Endgame, for for example, had a over $300 million actual take-up in, in its budget, in its overall budget. So it's already it's already split in half with the budget of, of a movie that it, it was already the biggest marketing material for a movie that imagine putting in 30 seconds of... A trailer or for for a Super Bowl slot for thirty seconds, you're paying over five million dollars for that when you can easily do something else. And so, the big reason is one of the big reasons is that studio budgets it it, it goes into account and it and the budget takes its toll that it keeps jacking the prices up. This isn't something that is is a side thing. It's a part of the budget for the movie. And so, when you want to put out thirty seconds or you have multiple movies that you want to put out there for a studio, you have to be able to add up all that cost. So if you put out three movies, you're jacking up the price to around $15 million for that for your company. And so that takes its toll on a studio if you want to really jack up your prices on that and, and to really elevate what you're putting in each and every single one of your budgets as well. And so that's a huge risk for studios right now as well. And also the fact that one of the big things also is that the second big thing is that when you look at people nowadays and you look at the way that people consume marketing, they consume products, they consume more, they they consume did they they consume things. They they're cons- people are consumers. People consume digital entertainment. People consume entertainment. The the big factor to that is is digital is social media it's twitter it's instagram it's youtube people can go online and and look at 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 trailers already so say if you want to release something online you can do that already you can go on and you can put a tv spot on youtube that you can put on for a lesser price and you can do something for not for five million dollars. You can do something for maybe a million or so, or for a few hundred thousand dollars. Or you can put it on your own site and do it for free. You don't have to. You don't have to. Put, you don't have to pay five million dollars for thirty seconds of a slot. And so it's a very interesting when, over the last ten years or so, there used to be as many as eight to ten spots according to Hollywood Studios that that they would put for their time slots for multiple studios to put it there within a game. But since 2018, apparently that number has fell to six or even fewer this year. And and when and studios are, are starting to catch up on that one. Hey, people go on Twitter. People go on YouTube. People consume 
marketing and consume products in different ways instead of just going and watching it on on a big game for one night and then replay it over and over again. So even though you're paying for that $5 million, you're still putting it on YouTube. You're still putting it on Twitter. You're still putting it all over the place. Why not just put it on one place and market it that way the best way you can? And that's why also studios, when you look at what they do for Comic-Con as well, and and because that Comic-Cons have to pay for all, all everything that they do, and so the fact that for studios they have to pay for a Comic-Con slot for a Hall H panel to fit in with them, it costs a lot of money. So studios think at that point, and same thing with Super Bowl, why not just do it on our terms and release the things we want to release? And, even, and, and studios like Warner Brothers... And also Universal as well, or more so Warner Brothers and Universal, excuse me, I was thinking of another studio, but Warner Brothers and Universal weren't, don't want to partake in this year's Super Bowl because, especially for the game itself, it's a lot of money. And according to reports this year, Disney, Paramount, and Universal, and I say Universal this time because as well, they're going to be taking part in the pre- and post-game events, so... Uh, throughout the day, apparently, for Paramount, they're going to be really, according to reports, they're going to be marketing Top Gun Maverick throughout the day. They won't just be going for that single slot during the game. They'll be marketing it throughout the day because so, people watch those pre, pre-game shows and the pre-game show and the pre-pre-pre-game show. And so they're going to want to market that. And according to reports, it's the same thing of what Disney is doing because Disney has a few films that they want to put out, such as you have Black Widow, Mulan. You also have... Onward, you have Soul that apparently those are the four that during the first half of the year that they're going to want to market for people right now, and that makes the most sense. And then they can put it on their own sites and their own channels for people to look at later on. And so you don't need that that actual marketing ability to do that. And you look at last year with Toy Story 4 and Avengers Endgame. Even though when I brought up Avengers Endgame, they had that slot. They did it for the pre-show. With Avengers Infinity War, they actually did it during the game. And that was around $5 million. But last year, what they did with Avengers Endgame, they did it during the pre-show. And then Toy Story 4, they did at the post-game show. And that's what a lot of studios did because... The, the, the slotting schedule for that and the price for that, those slots are a lot less lower than that $5.6 million right now that those 30 seconds during the game, during those fourth quarters or into overtime, no matter how it goes, that they put into those commercials. And even when you look at other commercials nowadays, right now you have commercials going after or, or, or putting their stuff online before the big game because they know that, you know what, we can put our own stuff online before people see the the actual commercial so there's so many different avenues now for super bowl ads that than it was beforehand and a lot of that is digital content and and being able to look on youtube twitter and, and social media and streaming services and and digital content instead of watching it on the television when that was a lot of the mainframes i remember when transformers movies especially transformers Revenge of the fallen dark of the moon you had the likes of, of Captain America the Winter Soldier at one point. I don't believe the Avengers did it in 2012, but I do remember for a, a good portion, Green Lantern, I remember, did it in 2011. Harry Potter didn't do it, but Transformers Dark or the Moon did it in, in 2011. So there have been movies over the years that, that have gone out to do the the Super Bowl ads, but this year... It just it makes sense for studios not to do it, and, and I can't blame them one bit not to pay five point six million dollars for thirty seconds. When again, say if you wanted a full minute for 
any company, say if Bud Light wanted a full minute ad, they had to pay $10 million for that one ad. And then you have to account for it's got to be a big ad. You have, to get, you have to probably get big names as people do during the Super Bowl. So you're adding on to it. So for Bud Light, these are like their big commercials that they put out every single year. This is their big projects. So it's a lot. And it's again, it's, it's a great time. It's a fun time. But you realize the inner workings behind companies and ads and, and during the Super Bowl. It's kind of crazy and surreal to think that for $5 million, a little around $5 million, 5.6 to be exact, that that is just for 30 seconds of a commercial during the big game. But what do you guys think of this news regarding the Super Bowl ads and that there will be a lot, there will be fewer ads during the game and, and during the pre and post game show as well? Even today, SpongeBob SquarePants, the, the, the Super Bowl spot for the new SpongeBob SquarePants movie, that released today as well. And it's going to release during the game on February 2nd. So. It just goes to show that people are, are putting stuff out right now to get their content out before the big game so people can see it as right now the big game is all the hype in the sports world in lighter news. And when we talk in, in tragedy, the, the series story is, of course, the past of Kobe. But right now what people are, are trying to, to look forward to this, this weekend is the Super Bowl, which people will have their eyes glued to. Again, whether you're a sports fan, entertainment fan, or just... Uh, somebody who who just wants to be a part of the conversation and wants to be a part of the big game, people watching and people are glued to it. That's why it's the biggest biggest event of the year for America is the Super Bowl, and it's it's like a holiday at this point. So, what do you guys think of the Super Bowl ads this year and the fact that studios aren't putting as many movies movie ads out this year as they would for other ones? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Also, one more thing I want to point out is that Universal will be doing partaking in this and it, it's most likely going to be during the pre and post game as they'll be debuting a fast nine spot apparent potentially and a, a, a spot for minions rise of Grooves, which will be coming out during this summer as well for fast nine like last year with hobbs and shaw the the trailer came out the weekend of the super bowl so there was already a spot out for it and they and last year universal took out a full minute for hobbs and shaw when they already came out with the a trailer for it so i wonder if that's going to be the case issue with fast nine where on friday we get the full trailer and then sunday we get a, a miniarized version of that whether it be 30 seconds to a minute for fast nine but again what do you guys think of all this let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts now moving on to speaking of fast nine Fandango released today and Universal as well released some new character posters in the lead up to the trailer debut and concert debut for Fast 9 on Friday. Yesterday we got the first official full or the first official full poster and we got a little teaser to the trailer clip, whatever you want to call it, minute long clip to Fast 9 in which it showed Michelle Rodriguez and Don, and Vin Diesel as Dom and Letty with Dom's son. And that something ominous might be happening at the very end. We don't know. It's being directed by Justin Lin. And it brings back Diesel, Rodriguez, Jordana Brewster comes back. Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris, Natalia Emanuel, John Cena is a newcomer. Charlize, Helen are back as well. And today they released character posters for Dom's crew. And the, the mainstays of the movie. The people that we know and love. The family. And what I really liked about it is, is it photoshopped? It definitely looks like it's photoshopped. There, there's no way around it. But I definitely think that when it comes to this this crew and, and, and when you look at the, the – it, it looks more colorful 
than I thought it would be. You have um, Ludacris, who has this green dust around him with a car. Tyrese Gibson has this has this yellow colored dust in the background. I don't know specifically what it is, but it's a lot more colorful. And Cena looks like he's a part of Dom's crew as well. He won't be playing the Hobbs role, which is playing a, 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 an agent, or we we don't know yet what, what he's playing, but it doesn't look like that from the poster that debuted. I like the hair that he's rocking. You have Michelle Rodriguez back. Jordana Brewster, I love seeing her in this once again. I wonder how they're going to fit her in and explain where, where Brian is and, and, and what he's doing. And So it's going to be interesting. I, 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 I'm interested in the posters, but I'm more interested in seeing the trailer for tomorrow. I like the color background to it, the color schemes. Every character gets its own own color dust if you want, if that's what you want to call it. And then of course we ha- we have Natalia Emanuel as well, who has a new is, is sporting a new hairdo as well. She has a lot of um she has tail ends at, on on her now and she looks badass and so I'm excited to see her and how she's evolved over the last few years and also the fact that since she's not playing in Game of Thrones anymore, she's she's not in it, that she doesn't have to worry about her hairstyle anymore, she doesn't have to worry about having her hair be a certain way, she can let it grow out, she can do whatever she wants, she doesn't have to hold it anymore, because since Game of Thrones is over, and she's not playing as one of Danny's maids anymore, she's not playing that, she's not playing Me Sunday anymore, She's allowed to really do whatever she wants, and I think I guess she wanted to support a new hair look, and the and the creators like that idea, and she's sporting something new, and I like that, and I can't wait to see how she evolves with the crew as well. She's been a part of this franchise since Fast and Furious Seven, which came out five years ago. When we think about it, to the day Fast Fast and Furious Seven premiered in April of two thousand and fifteen, which is kind of crazy to think about. So I think with Fast 9, it's just getting back with the crew again and seeing the journey that we're going to go on with these characters. And it's all about the action. What kind of action are we going to get that we can see on the big screen and enjoy from beginning to end? So I'm excited about that. It comes out on May 22nd of this year. What do you you guys think of the poster? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to a few trendy trailers that came out today. And the first one I want to get into is for Fantasy Island, the new Blumhouse film that's coming out on Valentine's Day, February 14th. It's directed by Jeff Wadlow and is starring Michael Pena, Maggie Q, Lucy Hale, and Austin Stowell. And to me, this is a little bit more along the lines of what is more of a thriller horror film than just a straight-up horror movie. It definitely has those elements. And to me, this is just one film and a list of incredible films that are coming out on Valentine's Day. And what I mean by incredible films, are the films going to be good? I don't know. I haven't seen them yet. I haven't, I haven't even heard reviews for these movies yet. But when I say incredible films, I just it's the, an incredible list of movies, incredible genre of movies, and a plethora of films that people can choose from, that couples and families can choose from during President's Day weekend and Valentine's Day weekend. I've never seen a more stacked weekend where I don't know if I'm going to be able to fit all these movies in. You have Sonic the Hedgehog for family members. You have the photograph for people that want to go out for more of a rom-com, romantic drama kind of feel to it. Or if you want to go more along the lines of if you like horror thrillers for Valentine's Day and you want to just have some fun in the theater, that's what you can do for that weekend as well. So there's just an abundance of things to go check out, and Fantasy Island is just one of those films. And it seems like it could be a good time. I don't know what the plot is going to be. It looks interesting Of when you go, and it seems like a, a fun 
fantasy vacation but turns into a nightmare of of things that you wish would happen turn into things that become your nightmare essentially and it looks interesting but again i i want to hear the buzz for it and i want to see what the reactions are because blumhouse can be either hit or miss and this seems like it's it's something that's in-house that's done it's not something that they are able to kind of buy and create and get producers on it specifically says blumhouse's fantasy island so this is something that they're trying to come out with in-house as well so i'm excited about it and they always keep the budgets very low so this movie could potentially hit very big especially if the reviews are very good for it it definitely could topple maybe number one probably not number one since birds of prey will still be out and you and you'll have that movie which is coming out next week to have which will be its second weekend out and release on february 14th so there's just an abundance of movies that are coming out that you can just check out and see and enjoy so i think it's very interesting and, I, and, and i'm really excited about to see where it where it goes from there what did you guys think of this? What did you guys think of the Fantasy Island trailer? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to Birds of Prey. And as I, we were just talking about it a, a, a few minutes ago. A few seconds ago, really. And today is the world premiere in London, which I was actually just checking out before I came on to talk about this on the podcast. And... Today's the world premiere. There's going to be reactions to the movie, and I'll have that for you guys tomorrow, which is now, even though Bad Boys for Life has become a blockbuster hit, nobody in the beginning had it being that blockbuster hit in January. Birds of Prey, when you looked at the slate for 2020 in early January, the first of January, the first weekend of January, the first big blockbuster you saw was on February 7th, Birds of Prey, and the fabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. And so this is the first big anticipated film that's coming out this year. And it's it's a more lower-budgeted, R-rated fun flick, it seems like, from the DCEU back once again after coming off of what they did with Joker, doing something back within the, this universe that includes members of the Suicide Squad like Harley Quinn. It's starring Margot Robbie once again. You have Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, Jumi Smellett-Bell, Rosie Perez, Ewan McGregor as Black Mask. It's directed by Kathy Ann. This is... Something that seems like it's going to be a fun film. It's tracking for $50 million this opening weekend. I'm excited about it. This has really been something that I wasn't really into at first, but I've gotten back into it, and the last trailer really sold me on it. just being a fun flick to begin the year, and that's all I want with this. And there's going to be reviews coming out for it soon, and so, again, I'll have that for you guys in tomorrow and they'll talk about if this film is a hit. Does it continue the trend of DC doing new ideas new things where this is going to be the first r-rated film within the dceu when you talk about r-rated films in dc last year's was joker but that wasn't in the dceu this is within the extended universe that has suicide squad and batman and superman and wonder woman aquaman shazam that's that universe and so this is the first rated r film to do that and i was reading the interview with kathy Ann where she talks about how she talked with patty jenkins about how she was able to go through the process of creating a comic book movie and Patty Jenkins accordingly said that you just make it your own. Nobody knows the property better than you and Kathy Yang who comes from the indie world wanted to do something different, wanted to make a gritty film but had that see it from Harley Quinn's perspective which is really a fun, crazy loony kind of perspective but something that isn't so down and gritty even though the action probably will be. It's fantastical in, in, a, in a sense as well so I'm excited about it. The box office projections have it for $50 million, but this is where, like I said last last week or a few weeks ago, that 
this these reactions that come out tomorrow in the next few in the next week or so is where the the noise is going to come for Birds of Prey because it comes out next week. Does the up does the box office uptick go because of critical reception or does it stay the same? Does it go down? If the critical reception is very good, it, I can definitely see the uptick trending upwards for Birds of Prey. But only time will tell. What did you guys think of getting Birds of Prey tickets, which are now on sale right now on Fandango and AMC and anywhere other ticketing site that you want to go to? Are you excited about it? Are you going to get tickets for it? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to the last thing that I always get to during the Wednesdays, and that is the weekend preview. And again, this is the we're we're at the tail end, the last weekend of January, and it ends on Friday, January first, literally the last day of January. And it's a it's a slow weekend. There aren't a lot of big films coming out. There are some interesting ones, but nothing on the same level again as Bad Boys for Life, which is really the big hit of January. And this weekend, again, some interesting films, and the first one I want to talk about is The Rhythm Section, which is directed by Reed Moreno, and it stars Blake Lively, Jude Law, and Sterling K. Brown. And this is a movie, seeing the trailers, it reminds me of a more grittier Lucy and, and John Wick, in, in which it's this woman who's training to become an, an assassin, and she wants, it's it's a revenge thriller, and it it's, I think Blake Lively, from what I heard, has been very good, and to me, it just seems like a fun, basic action action film. If I can just enjoy myself, then I, I will I will come out enjoying it and saying that it was okay. But unfortunately, right now, the Rotten Tomato scores for it is 48% right now. There's no critic consensus on it. However, I am, again, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm a fan of Blake Lively. I think she is a very good actress. Drew Law is still on the top of his game, and so is Sterling K. Brown right now. So I'm excited for this movie and to see... I'm, I shouldn't say I'm excited, but I'm interested. I think interested is the best word to use. I'm interested in seeing this movie and what it has to bring for the last weekend of January. And then another film that's coming out is continue is continuing the trend of horror films in January. And for the second straight weekend, we get another horror film in the fairy tale sense, in the folk tale sense, and that is Gretel and Hansel. And it's directed by Oz Perkins and stars. Sophia Lillis, who was from the It fame of the last few years from the Stephen King novel and the, and the films by Andy Muschietti. And this is another horror film that's coming out this year that in the beginning month of, of, of January, you had The Grudge, you had The Turning, you had Underwater. Underwater was, was a little bit of a better movie, but The Grudge and The Turning both got F cinema scores by audience members and still made eh, money for their budgets and is going to blow box office waters and they haven't, but decent and not complete bomb bombs as they are critically right now. And you're, you're interested in there's been no reviews yet, no buzz for this movie yet. And it comes out in two days. Really? It comes out tomorrow night for preview night on Thursdays. And there's been no Rotten Tomatoes score. There's been no buzz for it whatsoever. And you wonder if this is going to be another F Cinema score for horror films, and is just keeps on this this trend right now for horror movies that haven't really kicked out of the park so far to begin the new decade and the new year of 2020. So we'll see what Gretel and Hansel does. I'm not expecting anything big. I'm definitely not going to be going to see it. If there's one movie that I'll be seeing from this new weekend that that I want to check out that is going to be playing around me, it probably will be the Rhythm Section. And there's another movie that I do want to go see that isn't playing around me, but I hope it is soon. 
that I can check it out that I've heard a lot of stuff about, especially this past weekend at Sundance, the Sundance Film Festival at Park City. And that is The Assistant, which is directed by Kelly Green and stars Julie Gardner from the Ozark fame on Netflix and Matthew McFadden. And this is a movie that apparently is following in that step in that lore of Harvey Weinstein and the allegations regarding him and the fact that it's about this assistant who is working for this boss and he's very abusive and mentally and physically and she has to kind of keep her mouth shut and, and just go along with it but she suffers starts to suffer from trauma from this experience and not doing anything and it, it builds up to this Time's Up Me Too movement and right now it has an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes and it says that Led by a powerhouse performance from Julia Gardner, the assistant offers a withering, a withering critique of workplace harassment and system, systemic oppression. And so this movie, it doesn't deal with Harvey Weinstein, but it deals with, it mirrors what we're, what the world is dealing with right now, what society, at least here in the United States, is dealing with, with Me Too, Time's Up, work harassment, and, and harassment within the workplace between males and females, and just everybody in general. So it seems like, Kitty Green has a good sense of what she want to do with this movie, and so I'm hoping to see it soon because I'm in. I am interested in it in the fact that it sounds like Julie Gardner doesn't say a lot, doesn't have a lot to say, but her physical presence and and her physical attributions in the way that she's able to emote through her facial expressions and from her body actions and her body movements is great acting. That's and that's speaking of a great actor and actress that can do that. That doesn't have to deliver dialogue but just delivers action. And acting is and reacting is the best acting or acting is the best reaction. So it's 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 an interesting film that I'm interested in going to see and I think one that people should check out if it's playing in a theater near you. One film that will not be playing in any theaters nearby that will be going right to the streaming service Netflix that just came out of the premiere Thursday night premiere of the Sundance International Film Festival last week is the Taylor Swift documentary Miss Americana. It's directed by Lana Wilson and details the the making of Taylor Swift's latest album Lover and how she dealt with apparently sexual sexual attacks and and abuse and and in the face of she also dealt with with eating disorders and also being somebody who felt like she was being politically oppressed in the sense that she was able to speak her own views and speak up and she was able to change her image and, and speak up on things she wanted to talk about and how she was able to change her image after a few years of of being out of the game out of the spotlight and regrouping and and and, and trying to change herself and be who she wants to be and so i've heard really good things about this film it's got an 83 percent of Rotten tomatoes it says taylor swift miss americana provides an engaging if somewhat deliberately opaque backstage look at a pop star turned cultural phenomenon and that is exactly what taylor swift is i think this film netflix is definitely hoping to get a big following from this movie get all the taylor swift fans or aka the swifties and i'll be having a review for this movie during the weekend i'll have something up on my social media accounts and i'll have something up on the podcast soon as well for the film because i know a lot of people will be looking forward to that and the same thing for this weekend i'm gonna be going to see the gentleman hopefully this weekend along with the rhythm section so there'll be some reviews to come out as well along with uh, a little women review that's going to be coming out as well and also a bad boys for life review along with the miss americana review that i'll probably be watching tomorrow since it'll be or not tomorrow on january 31st when it premieres on netflix and so i'm excited about it i do i am a fan of taylor swift's music and so to see her go through these changes and, and really get an, an in-depth look at 
an artist and, and artists are really starting to open up through documentaries and, and through works of art that reflect on them and they want people to see this vulnerable side of them and, and see what they're going through and so I think for Taylor Swift this is a big step forward for her and for her fans to see what she does in a documentary like this so I'm excited for her I'm excited to see this documentary and hear what the buzz is all about for this one and I'll let you guys know about it when I see it on Friday what are you guys excited to see this weekend? Are you excited to see any of these new movies that are coming out for the January 31st weekend? The Rhythm Section, Gretel and Hansel, The Assistant if it's playing anywhere near you, and Miss Americana on Netflix. Let me know what you think uh, down below in the comment section. But guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Network. And be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on here, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. And check out our brand new show, The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. You can check them out on the website, ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, make sure to follow me on social media on Twitter, at Bissell Samuel, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L, and on Facebook, at Sam Bissell. Thank you guys again so much, and until next time, keep on screening.